Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 283rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head, long outside shot. Short, rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for the ACC opener as Carolina hosts Florida State on Saturday at 2 p.m. You can find that game televised on the ACC Network. We're going to break down the Seminoles, tell you everything you need to know about Carolina, and, of course, give our keys to the game. But before we do any of that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do with the pod thought of the day. And you've heard this one from Roy Williams, Coach Smith, many different people over the years. But I think the person that gets credited for the actual statement was the 33rd president of the United States, Harry Truman. Um, and his pod thought mm. is, is it's amazing how much can be accomplished when nobody cares who gets the credit. And um, I think that's something that really has applied in the early part so far to this 6-1 and one start for Carolina because you've had different leading scores. I mean, whether it's been Davis, Baycott, Ingram, um, and a lot of different guys that have contributed in a lot of different ways, whether it's been Trimble's defense or Elliot Cadeau's passing. But whenever you hear these guys talk after the game, it's all about we instead of me and the team instead of I. And just a big difference from what we heard from this team a year ago. Last year, it was very obvious that the, this this group was more concerned about um, their individual goals and accolades as opposed to achieving things together as a team. Um, and it's, it's amazing how when you flip that the other way, all of a sudden when you're playing well collectively, while playing very well individually, you're still getting the praise that you wanted. Um, and so it, it's, it, it's been a... It, 
it, it, it, it's been a real culture change, and, and culture is a word that gets used a lot in sports. Maybe it's the most overused word in sports, right? But the thing about it is, is that whenever you get to the fundamentals and you get down to what separates the good programs from the bad programs, it is that culture. And last year, Carolina's culture was bad. It's why Huber Davis opted to ship seven guys out of his team via the transfer portal and brought in a whole new group of guys and a group of guys that so far through seven games fit better together fit better together than what we had a year ago. And they resemble the Carolina teams of past that we've all known over we've all grown to love over over, over the years. Yeah, I mean a first example of, of selfless player is Elliot Cadeau. I mean, look, he he did not have the greatest game offensively the other night in terms of scoring it. And last year most guys would have focused on trying to get themselves going off, you know, shooting wise and scoring wise. And instead he says, I'm gonna get out of the way. I'm gonna use my my skills as a passer and I'm gonna let that be what affects the game. And we've seen sort of the ebbs and flows. There's there's nobody that feels like I need to get my my buckets on this game. If it's if if the buckets are there, they'll take them. But it feels like it's a team that's just more together. I mean, we've talked about the leadership of this team. Um, but I, I think everybody understands that there's going to be nights where they're needed, where they have to step up. And I think you know this year's crew, as opposed to last year's, is much more equipped to do that night in, night out. I feel like there are more guys that are ready to take on the challenge of, hey, we need to lean on you tonight, Harrison Ingram. Hey, RJ's having an off night tonight. Baycott's getting shut down a little bit. We need Cormac Ryan to step up. Um, you know, Cormac, Ingram are in some foul trouble. We need Armando to be Armando. There's times where that happens too. So, I mean, that's that's the thing that I think is so much different from the last few years. It felt like in the last few years, if Caleb Love was having an off night and Armando was in foul trouble, it was literally all on R.J. Davis. There was nobody else that was going to step up and help. Now it feels like there's other guys that are up to the challenge and making more of an impact, and it doesn't seem like this is a group that's saying, well, I need the recognition for that. We've talked about it so much, you know, it just about the program in general, about playing for the name on the front instead of the name on the back. At times last year, you really wondered if it was about the name on the back. And some of the stuff that we heard about how the guys trained in the offseason, training you know, with their own trainers, everything like that, it made you feel like it was. This year, much more together team in the offseason, and now it's translating on the floor, and they're playing for the name on the front, North Carolina, as opposed to their own personal names on the back. Well, it goes back to that, that that old saying: if you take care of the name on the front, that you know the name on the front's going to take care of the name on the back. Um, and it's something that this generation of kid maybe doesn't believe, but it's been proven, and it's uh, something that you know over sixty years. When North, when you take care of North Carolina, North Carolina is going to take care of you. It feels like this group has a good understanding of that, a great appreciation. Huber Davis calls it a privilege to play here. This group, I think, has been humbled by what it means to be a Tar Heel um, and, and, and the expectations and the pressure that comes with it. And so far, they're living up to the task, and they, they've really been a, a really fun team to watch. We'll now transition and start the preview for Florida State um, with, with, with 
our discussion topics around the team and the program. And, you know, we came out of the, the, the Tennessee win really wondering what's next for the starting five because Cormac Ryan was back but came off the bench but still played north of 20 minutes. But Elliot Cadeau shined having five points and 10 assists. But you're having issues at the three spot, um, whether it's on offense because Jalen Withers gave you no offense. And defensively, he he, he really struggled the other night um, following what was a less than uh, excellent performance down in the battle for Atlanta. So as we sit here on the eve of, of this game in the ACC opener, what starting five do you expect to see Hubert Davis to roll out with there tomorrow? I I, I do wonder how healthy they feel Cormac Ryan is. Um, if they feel like he is one is he is ready to go and as close to a hundred percent as as he can probably be, you'd imagine it'll still it'll be something that could crop up from time to time throughout the season. I would expect that with the way that Elliot Cadeau's been playing, I would think that it would probably be RJ Cadeau uh, Ryan Ingram and Baycott. I think that's probably the one they'll go with. Yeah, that's where I'm at. And look, when when you go back to that introductory press conference and Huber Davis talked about the desire to play with three guards um, and, and, and three ball handlers that can run your offense, and that's something that Cormac Ryan can do. He's not being asked to be a primary ball handler, but if if he had to be, he could he could transition into that role and run Carolina's offense, but. I think that's where Carolina is. I think this is an offensive-driven team. I think that is their strong suit. And your job as a coach is to play to your strengths and try to hide your weaknesses. And the Carolina's strength right now is, is, is scoring the ball and playing efficient, high-level basketball on that end of the court. I also like, even though Carolina's backcourt is smaller with Davis and Cadeau, you can pressure the, the ball a little bit more and get back to some of the full-court stuff we saw really the first six games before the Tennessee game. And so um, that's where I think Carolina's starting five is. Um, and and, and it's coincidentally, I think it's their best five, too. We talked at the beginning of the year when Paxson Wojcik was starting that just because he's in your starting five, he, he might not be in your closing five. Um, and that's ultimately what matters. But I do think that could be that's going to be Carolina's starting five. And I think if, if this game is close at the under four-minute timeout in the second half, that'll be the five that you see that are on the floor. Speaking of, speaking of this game, Carolina's coming off its best win of the season, a 192 win over number 10 Tennessee. Um, you could argue the second best regular season win under Hubert Davis, the biggest home win under Hubert Davis in his two-plus seasons uh, as the head coach of Carolina basketball. And even though Florida State isn't the Florida State that at one point we were calling them a new blood and this team was competing to win ACC regular season titles and they were a fixture in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, this is the ACC opener. And it's sandwiched in between the gauntlet of of of, of four ranked or of four straight non conference ranked opponents. And so, how much pressure is there on Carolina to follow up what they did on Wednesday night in this game? Uh, I mean, I think it's a decent amount of pressure, but like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not looking at it like that. I feel like this is one of those games that Carolina should feel pretty confident heading in. Uh, that they can win because Florida State is is 
far from the best team that they are going to play this year. Uh, it's just, I mean, that's the truth. So I, I think you want to get off to a good start, but we've seen it in the past. We've seen championship Carolina teams that get off to slow starts in conference play. So I don't think it's crucial. I think what you want to see is you want to see them continue to show that they can control the pace of games because that's what they did the other night. That's what allowed them to get out to the type of start that they did. You'd like to see them continue to shoot the ball well like they have since Atlantis and or since the first game in Atlantis. And you'd also like to see them show you a little bit more defensively, um, especially when it comes to guarding the wing guys. That's, that's I think, the biggest thing that you want to see in this game more than anything. And maybe that's where they feel a little bit of pressure, is stepping up and not allowing a dude on the team to score 30 against you. Like, Florida State's got some talented players, but this you, at, at some point you've got to find a way to prevent teams from just having one guy go off on you Maybe that's the area that they look at, and and maybe it's probably some some pressure from Hubert Davis to step up and limit the scoring, uh, and and find a way to keep this maybe maybe a low scoring affair for Florida State. And if they can do that, I I think you feel pretty good about this game heading out. Yeah, I mean, I th- the, the the challenge is going to be, and this is something I talk about a lot, is building off of your previous performance. It's going to be really hard to to do better than what you did the other night because you were. Um, in a lot of ways, historic in what you did on the offensive end of the court. But if this is a team that we feel like is going to compete for a regular season ACC championship, which I think right now is a lot more visible than what we thought entering the season because Duke definitely, to, to, to have all the preseason hype, is they have some issues. We've seen the, the, the struggles that Virginia has had at times scoring the ball. These are games that you win. Um, because you're at home, and you know Florida State is a good program, and Leonard Hamilton is a is a very good coach, but they're inferior to where you are right now. Um, and, and so the good Carolina teams, the ones that really compete for championships, you 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 build off of what you did the other night, and that's going to be really more of the challenge in this game. And the last thing I want to talk about is this being the ACC opener. Have we have we gotten to the point now where we like an ACC game in December? Because I'm a traditionalist. I'm an old guy. Uh, when they went to this, didn't really care for it. And a lot of times it was because Carolina got stuck with a really bad game. Like Yeah, I was going to say the opponent was definitely part of that. Opening up against Notre Dame, Cole Anthony's freshman year. Usually the, the, the you, you, you went to Virginia early um, in years past. I... I this year, I really like it, mainly because <laughs> in the stretch of games that Carolina's playing right now, this is the most winnable. Yes. Because, you know, UConn next Tuesday night's going to be a beast. Um, Kentucky looks like the Kentucky of old. And then Oklahoma, that's a top 25 team that just scored 107 points last night. And so Porter Mosier's really got his program rolling down there in Norman. And so um, I, 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 I used to like just playing my ACC game starting at the end of December, rolling through March. But given the way Carolina has scheduled in the non-con this year, I don't mind seeing Florida State in early December. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? It's about who you drew. If this game was... Virginia, 
Miami. Oh, I'd be on here throwing a fit and a half. They, it'd be it'd be a completely different story. But since it's Florida State at home, I think that is it, it's it definitely helps you. I'm. I mean, I don't hate it. It's not it like it's not the end of the world. I certainly am not the biggest fan of it. Like I think, I think it, it you should do like most other conferences. Just I mean, pl- literally play all your conference games starting in. I mean, it, it would just be they would move up a conference game earlier in the year. Well, like so you'd play it what like right around Christmas time. My, my, my your th- first one. My thing is, is I don't mind us because now we play twenty of these things. So you got to fit them on the schedule. Yeah. So you know, along the way, they, they were they were talking about this other night during the ACC SEC challenge. Maybe move that into January because we play a slew of conference games. Like in the old days, you played fourteen. That would make sense. And you still played a non-conference game into January in, in the mid two thousands. Well, because did it was it was it the SEC and the Big Twelve that used yep, to do it? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that. You used to do it you, last weekend of January or the first yeah. weekend of February. Yep. So you know, I think that's that that's something that moving forward they could maybe look at it and say because the ACC SEC challenge is new, we got new matchups. Um, at some point they're going to become old and outdated because the same teams will pretty much play each other more often than not. So that's my thing. I don't I don't mind it because you got to play twenty of them. You got to find it on the schedule. And Carolina's got so many non-conference commitments that it, it makes it even tougher for them to to play these games even later. But if we could see some of the marquee non-conference stuff, maybe get moved into the conference season just to give us a break from conference play. That's something I think could that the, the sport could benefit uh, as as a whole. Now let's talk about this Florida State team. Um, they're four and two on the season. They have a win over at the time number eighteen Colorado. Um, so they 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 they've got a marquee win over a nationally ranked opponent. But their two losses have come to Power Five competition, Florida and Georgia. And Florida, I think, is a team that as we get into February into March, they'll be on the bubble. There are some people that are really high on what Mike White is doing at Georgia. Some people think that they could be a NCAA tournament bubble team as well. But when you're losing to Georgia basketball, it doesn't really mean the same as losing to Georgia football, and we'll just leave it at that. Although, I got to tell you, is Florida worse than Georgia in basketball this year? They just lost to Wake Forest, who is not good. No, I mean, no, I mean, I wouldn't think so. Uh, first, I, I think Wake Forest is better than what you think they are. Um, they're not healthy, um, and they're still playing uh, a, a winning brand of basketball more often than not. Florida's got a young analytic head coach, Todd Golden. From he came over from San Francisco, um, and so he's really establishing his program. But um, and look, a lot of people around the sport high on Florida being a tournament type of team. Some people, like I said, high on Georgia. I just don't see that happening. They've got two players that are averaging double-figure scoring. Uh, Darren Green Jr. leads them at 14.5 points. Uh, He's averaging 2.5 rebounds, shooting 41% from the field, 38% from three. And then Jameer Watkins um, is their other other double-digit scorer, 13 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists. He's shooting 47% from the field, but just 29% from three. But this is a vintage... Florida State defensive type of team. And when Leonard Hamilton built his program and established them as a premier program within the ACC, it was because they were good on the defensive end of the court. 
Teams are making just five three-point field goals against them. That's the 23rd uh, lowest mark in all of college basketball. And furthermore, teams are shooting just 26% from behind the arc, which is 16th best in all of college basketball. And so um, this is a team and a program that has been down the last couple of years. I think the transfer portal has really impacted them because – their good players have left to go to other places to where they can make more money NIL-wise. It may it has made Leonard Hamilton may, basically had to revert to kind of the old his old ways, which was getting old and staying old, but doing it on the defensive end of the court. And this will be not in the same breath as Tennessee, but another good challenge for Carolina with a good defensive team coming into the Smith Center. Yeah, I mean certainly they're they're not the toughest defense that Carolina is going to face, even even coming up in the remainder of conference play. But yeah, I mean it's a team that is going to want to make the game ugly. Um, that's what they were able to do the other night to Georgia for the most part, and then Georgia ends up finding a way to eliminate a 17 point deficit in the last six minutes and 40 something seconds of the game. But I mean, yeah, I think this is this is one where Carolina. You know, they stepped up, they performed great against the best defensive team in the country coming in to that game the other night. Now, can they find a way to do it against a team that is still pretty good defensively, but you might not know about it as much as was preached to you during the week this past week? So, we'll see. Uh, I, I think it's... An interesting challenge. I think Carolina, though, is 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 in rhythm now, and I really do think that that's something that you know will should allow them to have some some pretty solid success. Teams have scored against Florida State this year, as we've seen. Um, I mean, Florida scored eighty nine against them, so it's it's possible to put up some points on this team. Uh, now it's about just going out there and doing it. And with the game in the Smith Center, I feel pretty confident Carolina can do that. Let's look at this game from the Carolina perspective. North Carolina is 6-1 on the season. They're currently ranked 17th in the AP poll. Assuming they win this game, you would imagine a, a rather subst- uh, substantial jump up the polls. Um, you mentioned Carolina at home where they're 4-0 this year in the Smith Center. And they're averaging 88 points per game, so they have been at their best at home. Um, They've got four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, who's now averaging 19.4 points per game, 3.1 rebounds, 2.6 assists, all while shooting 43% from the field, 35% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring at 16.7 points per game, 11.6 rebounds. He's shooting 54% from the field. Harrison Ingram, 15 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, 2.3 assists. He's shooting 49% from the field, 49% from three. And then Cormac Ryan, um, he's the last guy averaging double figures, 11.5 points, 2.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists, still shooting below his averages at 35% from the field, 29% from three. Um, Carolina is averaging 87.4 points per game, which is 15th best in all of college basketball. And their offensive rating is fifth, according to Ken Palm. They have an offensive rating of 120.5 per 100 possessions. And this kind of just stuck out to me when I was going through it. Um, when we look at those four guys averaging double-figure scoring. we we all it, 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 in, in sports and in what we do 
everything is about comparisons. And, you know, last in, 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 in the Tennessee game, we were talking about how, or after the Tennessee game, we talked about how that trio of Davis, Baycott, and Ingram is the best trio Carolina has had since Kobe White, Cam Johnson, and Luke May. But with what this quartet is doing, it, it's it's not the same way that it was done in 2012, but it, it really gives you 2012 vibes because Carolina had a quartet then, Kendall Marshall, mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes, and then it was two bigs and John Henson and Tyler Zeller. Carolina's not doing it the same way, but they've got four guys that are producing on the offensive end at a really high level, and it's one of the biggest reasons why Carolina is experiencing so much success on that end of the floor. Yeah, I mean, when we were were recapping the game yesterday, that was the team that kind of came to mind, too. And part of it is because you got Elliot Cadeau in there, and there's so many comparisons to Kendall Marshall. There's but, also a lot of Harrison Barnes and Harrison Ingram's game. Like he, That's a good they, I, I I think you're right on that one, for sure. Um I just, I mean, this team, like this is this is what was lacking from this team so much. Even when they made the run to the title game in twenty one twenty two, they're they're just there were times like in that Baylor game, just a complete meltdown when you have Brady Brady Manic leave the game, and then I mean eventually Caleb Love too. But like it's, it was really after Manic leaves the game, Carolina just had to hold on for dear life. I don't feel like Carolina would be in that same circumstance if that happened to this year's team because they have guys that are just so much more confident and guys that are really doing it in both the open court and in the half court. Now, I know, you know, in that second half the other night against Tennessee, a lot of people were complaining about the half court offense, but I I, I still think Carolina's got guys like you, you've got guys that not only are able to score it at a high level, but are able to hit big shots late. I mean, look at how many different guys now have hit big shots for Carolina. I mean, Ingram's had some. Uh, Cormac Ryan hit a couple of big ones in uh, in the Bahamas. You have R.J. Davis, who's been doing that, you know, was did it towards the end of last year before hurting the finger, and now it's carrying over into this year, and he's making some big shots. He's done it back-to-back games now for Carolina. So, You've got guys that are not only scoring, but they're scoring when they need to score. And the other thing is, this group's so aggressive. Those guys in particular are so aggressive getting to the free throw line, getting those easy points, which allows Carolina to score. I mean, this offense, seriously, I I think this offense is probably about as good as Carolina has had since the title team in 17. Um and I mean, it is it is so comparable to that 2012 team. And if that is the case, remember what we said about that 2012 team. That's the team that a lot of people in the modern era, in in our generation, look at and say was the one that they think wins a title if everybody stays healthy. The team that should have won a title but didn't. I'm not saying that this team is there just yet, but. It feels like they've got what they need on the offensive end of the floor to be that team. Let's get to our keys to the game for Carolina and Florida State, and we'll start on the offensive end. And the first key is going to be shot selection. And the biggest reason why is because we gave you the defensive numbers of Florida State, especially guarding the perimeter. Um, Teams are only making five threes against them, and they're only shooting 26% from behind the three-point line. 
Carolina wants to attack from the outside. They've built the roster to do it with sharpshooters like Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram uh, playing with R.J. Davis. But it starts after the ball goes inside. And, um, you know, the other night they were 12 of 28 from three. Really, since the you go back from the second half of Northern Iowa since then, Carolina has looked the part shooting the ball from the perimeter. Um, and look, we talked in the first three games when Carolina was shooting, I think, 31% as a team from behind the three-point line. Not to be worried because they were taking good shots. They just weren't making them. But the law of averages would tell you that if you continue to make good shots, if you're a good shooter, which Carolina has, you're going to make shots at some point. This game has got to be one where they've talked a lot about passing up good shots for great shots. That's got to be on display. You got to make the extra pass. You got to make Florida State rotate. You got to make them chase because if not, and in the, and, the, and this becomes a one-on-one type of situation. This is a good defensive team, mm-hmm. and, and and they can come in here and they can limit you. They're not going to be able to shut you down. Carolina's too potent, but they can limit you and make this become a game that you're playing in the 60s and you're shooting in the low 30s from behind the three-point line. And so, um, you know, I, I love the way that Carolina attacked the other night. That's got to be – on display once again because Florida State, not the same defensive team top to bottom that Tennessee is, but when it comes to guarding the perimeter, they're as good as Carolina has seen so far, and they're going to be tasked with making sure they're taking the right kind of perimeter jump shots. Well, yeah, and it's all going to come off of how they move the basketball. If they move the ball well, they will get looks from the outside. And those Which is why Cadeau is going to stay in the starting line. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Because the ball just moves. And it's and it's like I've said, I, I, I would set Trimble... I love some of the things that he does for you defensively, but we saw what happened when they started him against Northern Iowa. It's not all his fault, but Northern Iowa got out to a 10-2 lead to start that game. Like, the rest of the team was not defending at a high level, so it really didn't matter. Um, I think they they value what he brings on the offensive end, and especially that ball movement, because you saw it early against Tennessee. It created those early looks for Harrison Ingram that he knocked down, and that put Carolina's offense in rhythm like that. I snapped not even close enough to the mic for you to hear it, so that worked out well. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think their shot selection for the most part this year has been really, really good. I think the only time a lot of people have questioned it was probably the second half the other night maybe a little bit against Villanova in the second half but I think people questioned it then other than that I mean this team has been taking great shots the entire season what they really need to do in this game though out of the gate get get downhill and get to the basket this team I mean they are 351st in opponent free throw attempts per game they are allowing over 27 a game so Carolina has been super aggressive getting to the free throw line. The other night, 32 of 38 from the free throw line. Really a big reason why they won the game, and that's that's been the majority of the season. If Carolina does that again in this game, uses that same mindset of just getting, get, getting to the basket, getting those easy looks, or drawing fouls, I, I think Florida State's going to have a hard time keeping up with them. And clearly, when you look at that, when you look at some of the success that teams have had against them uh, inside the arc, I think this is a team that probably is able to be driven on, similar to Carolina, maybe a team that just doesn't defend um, 
you know, dribble drive all that well. So Carolina needs to try to expose that in this game, and I think they are more than capable as they've shown the majority of the year. The second key for Carolina is they've got to be able to contain the dribble drive. And look, it's been something that's been a problem. Um, but it, if you look back historically, Carolina in November doesn't defend very well. Um, it, it's it's just one of those things where it, it takes this, this program historically – a month, month and a half to figure it out on that end of the court. The problem is, has been the last three games you've allowed a single player to either beat you or almost beat you. I don't think that Darren Green Jr., I don't think Jameer Watkins are on the same levels of uh, Dixon from Villanova, uh, Traymond Mark from Arkansas, or a Dalton Connect from Tennessee, but they're going to look at what those teams did against you to use against you, and Carolina gave up 44 points in the paint the other night and won. And it almost felt higher. And, 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 look, and look, 44, is a, is, it's, that's a big number. Yes. Um, that you, doesn't even count. That doesn't even count the times they get to the lane, get fouled, and go to the free throw line and make shots. Yeah, and, and so, so, you know, like 44, yeah. uh, you know, is usually what you're scoring in the paint if you're winning. Um, you very rarely look at the box score and see 44 and and, 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 and you come out victorious. And that's going to be the challenge. And that's going to be the thing that Hubert Davis, if, 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 if he starts Elliott Cadeau, like we continue to expect him to with Cormac Ryan and Carolina is smaller, um, you know, that's going to be one of the things because I don't know if you can switch as much with Elliott Cadeau on the court as you could if, you know, you were going with Davis, Ryan, Trimble, Davis, Ryan, yeah, you know, Withers. I, I don't think you can switch as much just because you might have a – 5'10", 5'11", guard on a 6'8", forward. But Carolina's got to got to guard better. And the first thing that, it, that, 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 that comes into question here is it comes down to effort. And I'm not saying they haven't given effort, but you got to give better effort um, and make sure you're moving your feet. And I also think the best way to do it or to help your team out is to press and blitz and double more often because it's going to get you out of your action and you're going to have to start making them play one-on-one. And so um, I think this, this is going to be a really big key because if Carolina allows Green or Watkins to go off and then that's four straight games, it's really going to call into question the ceiling of this team because you're not going to win 30 games outscoring everybody. This league's too good. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? You're going to face teams down the stretch where, okay, if you if if, if Kyle Filipowski's scoring 40 on you, well, then they're going to have other guys that are going to beat you as well. Like that's that's the thing that's been concerning is that it feels like in the Villanova game, and then in especially in the Arkansas game, there was no focus to try to take away what the guys who were going off were doing. They were basically just saying, "Hey, this guy's going to have a night. We're going to." Just make sure everybody else doesn't step up, and we'll be fine. And it almost cost you against Tennessee because Josiah Jordan James had a had a really good game. Um, so I think for Carolina, like at some point, you've got to find a way. Just that that's the other thing. If they're going to take tough shots and make them, it is what it is. To a certain extent, that's what you saw from Tremont Mark. And I, I, I would say Dalton Connect definitely had some of those moments as well. 
in this game, I mean, yeah, you can't let one of these dudes go off on you again. There's, there's, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of pride. But yeah, you're right. I think Hubert Davis can help him out. Um, and, and when we say press, we don't mean that you got to press the entire game. I know that's what you would want, um, but it's just like that's not that's not going to happen. We know that. As long as you throw it in there from time to time, like throw it in there a couple of times in the first half. And force a turnover. Or two. I, I would like to see them press off of off 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 of made free throws or coming out of a dead ball timeout. Like, and I don't think that's too much to ask. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if you're getting to the foul line a lot, it might become a lot of pressing. But I also wouldn't ask them to do it if I didn't think that they could do it. Well, they've shown you that they're capable of doing it. And the other thing is, is like it's not even that it has to be a full court press. There there were times. I mean, they did it the other night. Late in the game, Connect gets the ball. All of a sudden, half court double. Like You're blitzing them, yeah, yeah. Throw throw that at them from time to time. So I think it's 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 part part of it is is definitely on the coaching staff of throwing some different things at these teams defensively. But the other part of it is, yeah, especially just just stay in front of your man. If if that is the way that you're going to get beat. It's it's going to be so hard to win some of these games once, especially like it is still early in the year. You're not even worn down yet, and you're letting guys get to the basket that easy. It's also part of the reason why you're getting so many guys into foul trouble. So if if you can take that away, it's going to help you in so many different ways. And look, if a team gets hot from beyond the arc, if a team just has guys that are making mid range jump shots that are contested and there's really nothing you can do about it it is what it is but I think Carolina they need a really solid defensive performance in this game and 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 taking away that lane will help the last key to the game it's 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 a it's an ACC game and then this stuff really matters this time of the year um is when the rebounding margin and Carolina I don't think against premier competition yet has imposed its will on the on the glass. They won the rebounding margin the other night, 34-31. Part of that was, was the way that Carolina shot the lights out in the first half and the way that Tennessee shot the lights out the whole game. There just weren't that many rebounds there to be had. But in this game, if you win the battle of the boards, you control the tempo, you control the pace, and you can get the game going up and down the court the way you want to. If you don't, and Florida State rebounds the ball, and and, and and that means they can do what they want to do, which is not run. This is going to be a game that they want to be played in the half court, um, and they're going to want to limit your opportunities as much as possible because they know how explosive you are on the offensive end. Um, this is going to be a game where we talked about it uh, really during the battle for Atlantis where it was, you know, Carolina struggled to rebound. They've struggled when Armando Baycott hasn't been in double figures. Um, that He was in double figures the other night. They won the rebounding margin by three. I think Harrison Ingram has done an adequate job as a rebounder. He's averaging nearly seven boards per game. You can't complain about that. I think for this this team to become the best rebounding version of itself, someone else has to take that next step as a rebounder. Um, and I think I think R.J. Davis rebounds the ball pretty good for a guard. Um, this is where if if you're going to play with the three guards, Davis, Cadeau, Ryan. You need Cormac Ryan to be a difference maker on the glass. Um, right now, he's averaging 2.8 rebounds per game. That's not a bad number for a guard. 
But if, if Carolina's going to play a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. he's got to get to the board a little bit better. And so this is going to be something where, yes, in this game it matters, but also moving forward, if Carolina's going to play that way, they got to be able to rebound with the big boys, and this will be a good first test. Well, I mean, you look at some of the best teams in this conference, and they've, they're have they great rebounding teams. I mean, especially Duke. That's that's going to be the team. That, that should be the team you're really building for um, because it, there's a chance that if you play the way that you played offensively the other night, that that could be for the ACC regular season title at the end of the year. So I, I think... I mean, yeah, you you really just need to see other guys step up. And and I think, you know, the frustrating part about the group that they've rolled out there the last that they rolled out there the other night and and it's been the last two games. I mean, Jalen Withers, you thought he was going to be a a little bit of a better rebounder. Mm-hmm. And we just haven't seen it from him. Maybe he's the guy that steps up off the bench and can rebound the ball well. Um, you know, we've seen it at times from Jalen Washington. He's been able to get in there and rip some rebounds down. But you're right. If that lineup is going to play a lot, there has to be somebody else that steps up. Because, yeah, with ba- I mean, with Baycott, we've just seen his rebounding numbers fluctuate early in the season. Um, Harrison Ingram has been really consistent for most of the year, right around six or more rebounds per game. He's got a couple double-doubles in there. Um, but, I mean, yeah, those those are your two guys that are rebounding and then nobody else can get in there. Uh, I, I just think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see with Cormac probably being back in the starting lineup. Maybe that does motivate him. I think he's probably the guy that you're looking at because you just see the fire that he plays with. Um He's a he's a scrapper, so maybe he is a guy that can get in there and get physical and get rebounds. Um, but I think I I know that you want to see this team dominate people on the glass. I just don't I don't think that's who they are. Like I think the other night is a pretty good indication. And to me, if you win the rebounding battle with the type of lineup that Carolina is rolling out there, I think you can feel pretty good about where the team is at, especially if they're doing it in the big games. This is a game team that comes in, I mean, they're middle of the country. They average 36.5 rebounds per game. When you look at how they rebound in terms of the stats, this is the worst rebounding team that you have faced since Northern Iowa. Not a bad rebounding team, but you've faced Villanova, Arkansas, and Tennessee, and the last two you won the rebounding battle against. So this should not be a problem for this team. I just I don't know if they're going to be able to dominate the glass. I just don't know if that's who they are. Carolina enters with an 83.3% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's analytics. Who wins and why? I think Carolina wins. I, I, I do. I, I think they're going to build off of what they did, and I, I'm with you. I think in most years we complain about this. I think this year this is perfect timing for Carolina to get – this conference game against Florida State. Um, I I think Florida State will put up a fight. Uh, You saw it against Colorado. They beat them in overtime. Um, They they, they are a a, a competitive team, but I just don't know if they are back to being a team that can win and especially win at a high level in the ACC. Carolina should be able to get this one done. It's at home. I think it'll be one of those games where maybe – you know, in the second half, there's a run from Florida State. It's like a six-point game. We're sitting there saying to ourselves, gosh, we feel like we should be beating them by more. But I think in the end, Carolina pulls away. I like them somewhere in that 10 to 15-point range over Florida State 
on Saturday afternoon. I think Carolina wins as well. I love that this game is at home. It's a mid-afternoon game, so you you should expect a really good crowd. It's the first ACC game of the season, and Carolina looks dominant at home. This looks like a team that mm-hmm. um, is 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 out to protect home court. After questionable losses at home um, the first two years under Hubert Davis. And so I think Carolina builds off of what they did the other night um, in preparation for the challenge that UConn will present next week when the when, when, when those two teams square off in the garden. But I expect Carolina to get off to ACC play on the right foot and pick up their first win of the season in, in, in conference play, that is. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast, guys. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit our website. That's HeelToughBlog.com where um, the site's booming with coverage left and right. Of course, we'll have you covered with Carolina and Florida State. Preview of the game will be there. Of course, a recap will be posted day of as well. Football, um, Carolina will figure out its bowl destination this Sunday. Um, but in the meantime, the transfer portal is already busy and active, and Carolina has seen its fair share of guys enter the portal, but Carolina's also gotten into the portal and brought in a quarterback as well. Um, so any any transfer portal news, we'll have you covered. All that football and basketball coverage at SealToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you want to thank Anthony for hosting with me? We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Get any sweeter than that!